1: Welcome to another episode of the Self Build Plus podcast, where we chat with self builders, suppliers, and experts about all things home building and renovating in Ireland on both sides of the border. I'm Astrid Mattson, your host and the editor of Self Build Magazine. This episode, we're going to be talking about planning permission. As many of you know from bitter experience, in the Republic, one of the main stumbling blocks to securing planning permission for a new one-off house in the countryside is the so-called locals-only rule. Obviously, every local authority has zoning laws, which tell you what you can build where, and in the countryside, that zoning blueprint is called the county development plan. In cities and smaller areas, there are local area plans. So these basically divide uh, the land into greenfield sites or into commercial sites. So you basically know what you can build where. Now, many of these county development plans do have a local zoning provision. This basically applies to usually areas that are predominantly for farming and it allows people with a connection to that land to build their home there. Uh, Over a decade ago, Europe challenged this policy as being discriminatory and the Department of Housing at the time vowed to revise it. So we've been waiting for a decision ever since. The latest news we had and we got from the department was that a working group had been set up earlier this year to advise the Minister of Housing what changes to make. We have a clip of Owen Murphy giving us an update at the end of this podcast. He was at the NZEB Forum that took place in Dublin earlier this month, as was Sean Armstrong. And Sean is the senior advisor at the Department of Housing for the building regulations. And I asked him at that conference about the apparent loopholes in the renovation portion of the new NZ building regulations, which came into force this month. So that's later on in the podcast. First up, I caught up with Patrick O'Reilly. He is going to give us an overview of the planning process in both the Republic and Northern Ireland, how to go about it, what you need to know to secure planning permission, He is the managing director of two planning consultancies, one north, one south. One's called NI Planning Permission, the other's called Ireland Planning. Now, planning consultants, as you know, are professionals who advise people about how to navigate the planning process. Here's Patrick so can you uh run us through the planning application process from start to finish i suppose the process is quite similar in both northern ireland and the republic
2: it is similar but there obviously there are differences depending on the councils but northern ireland we would more or less concentrate mostly in the north mm-hmm. with our other company ireland planning would liaise in republic of ireland mm-hmm. so in the north of ireland when you are preparing a planning application there's different types of applications There's outline applications, there's full planning applications, there's change of use applications. When you are preparing an application, obviously, we would assess a site first of all. If it's for an extension, it would be a full application. So give you an example, we would visit someone's property, uh, ask what they wanted from their property, if they wanted more bedrooms or an open-plan kitchen, either a single-story or double-story extension. Then we would measure their full property in order to create the full planning drawings and computerized walkthrough. It gives us a feedback as to what they want, and then we go through different designs and different layouts with them. Mm-hmm. Once they have agreed what they want for their property, and they're happy with the designs and they've got the room spaces they will need, then we will go through it to see if their extension meets the policy effectively before the submission. Then we will prepare a planning application to whatever council it is within, within Northern Ireland or the Republic of Ireland. So every council has different criteria. If their property may fall within a conservation area or townscape character area, but majority of the times extensions are allowable. It just depends on the dominance and how big they are. But as a rule of thumb, if you want to extend your property and you have enough space around your property or leaving enough immunity space, there's always a way through design to get things So to work. you
1: So you need to keep enough room for a garden?
2: Of course, and, and parking. And parking,
1: parking yeah. Parking and
2: services as well, so that there may well be, a few examples of this is maybe a, a means, a water means to the rear of the property that people maybe aren't aware of. So we would have to maybe contact NI Water and maybe organize a build-over agreement for an extension. So there's a, there's a lot to it. That's why maybe there's some people that say, oh, I can build an extension without needing permission because I'm only going a certain distance. We would recommend always checking because there've been some examples we have been on where someone has built a small single story extension, but it is actually over a main sewer line. So when they go to sell the property, they can't sell the property and getting retrospective planning permission is quite difficult. And NI Water as well, they will want you to dig down and make sure the main sewer line isn't broken, damaged, and things like that. So when we do an application we check the services we check rights of way before extending it keeps you right and it also it's only when someone sells the property and the purchaser solicitor is requesting all the information then they realize something is wrong Mm -hmm. so
1: and there's also the overlooking aspect you can't have windows facing to your examers, or can you sometimes
2: you can you can obviously have windows but maybe obscured glass but it depends on the separation distances between the properties if you're in a terraced property or semi-detached property obviously there are a bit more overlooking issues that we would need to look at detached properties are a bit bit more flexibility there because obviously you're hoping separation distances are a lot greater Mm -hmm. in newer developments what we are noticing now a lot of the property developers are maybe the detached properties are very close together now and there there are called detached properties but whether or not there's only a sort of small distance between them so they would when they go to extend they may face difficulties and also their amenity space is very tight already mm-hmm. so the, when they go to extend that could be difficult you know so in older properties with maybe larger garden spaces there's great flexibility mm-hmm. to, you know
1: and um there are cases where you can be exempt from planning isn't there especially for extensions. yes
2: well, that's what i was just saying before mm. so give an example you can do an extension without seeking full permission but what you can and what we would recommend people to do is if they want to do an extension they would maybe contact ourselves and we would organize an assessment of their property and organize what's called a certificate of lawful development before they before they complete the mm. bill or start or the bill.
1: section five in section the five in the republic exactly, yeah, which yeah. basically
2: means it gives you a written confirmation that you didn't need planning permission your permission is lawful and also it gives you an option to check the services and the electricity and make sure that there's no issues mm-hmm. because a builder will say you're fine i've done hundreds <laughs> yeah. of them yeah it's only when you go to sale yeah. there's an issue and that's yeah. one thing even another thing i would say we haven't maybe had some examples of it, but home insurance so I'll give you an example say you do an extension to your property. And you said oh i didn't seek any permission or even i didn't look at building regulations because i thought it was okay
1: oh my god <laughs> That's
2: what, well, there have been examples of this where yes. a builder will just say oh i know what i'm doing yeah and then say there's a fire at the house and there's an extension that hope that insurance company will not pay you know i'm assuming they won't whether or not they you know it's something that maybe need to be looked into even you know from a solicitor's point of view but it's to keep yourself right and you will be spending a lot of money and in, in, investing in your property to get the certificates and get all the, the sign offs, it's very, very important, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe to save a, a bit of money through the bill stage, it will hit you when you come to the sale mm-hmm. or if there's if there's any issues with it.
1: So, mm. and then when you build a new house, you always need planning permission. Of course.
2: There, there are some examples. I'll give you some examples of people building houses without permission. Uh, and we, we have actually came across, there, there's been a few in, in the north of Ireland when they actually did apply for permission mm-hmm. but for some reason it it just went through the system and they had someone dealing with it and they just built the property and they didn't hear back and it was one example it was', in, it was actually in Downpatrick. they had to apply for retention permission mm-hmm. retrospective it was up more than ten years so they got the permission okay. the thing is if you build a property and it's erect more than five years it's lived in you're exempt from requiring permission. It doesn't happen very often, but it has happened.
1: Right. I think yeah. I remember something of someone hiding behind Hills of Bay or uh, that was Bales in, of in hay. England, or, yes, oh, it. was that in England? Yeah. yeah but they, I mean, they built a huge one, but that was.
2: That's people just trying to flaunt the, the yeah, policy and yeah, the laws. But yeah. I think what you're, what you're it's saying. It's very different. It is different. <laughs> and extensions are obviously, it relies on your neighbors because there's a lot of people maybe, as we said, you know, there's people have built extensions, haven't got pr- appropriate permissions, but their neighbors haven't complained. Mm. So therefore the council do not know. It's very hard to police, you know, they're not going to look at satellite imagery. I think that's why covering. they have
1: drones now, isn't
2: it? That, yeah, you're right. But see, <laughs> yeah. even that, you know yourself, it's very hard to police on that. And they yeah. will turn around and say, they will turn around and say, uh, they will turn around and say uh, look, you know, we rely on neighbors informing us, things like that, because mm. they, they probably just don't have the money to go out and knock on doors and check. So yeah, that's extensions you can, get away without planning permission, but we would always recommend making sure everything's in order. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um,
1: so then you have full planning permission, outline planning permission. Yep. What's the benefit of getting out full planning permission? Obviously it's much more drawn out process where you get the full permission. Yep. But what's the point of outline
2: planning? Well outline planning permission is obviously lesser monies, of course, but what that allows you to do is try and get the site passed in principle so obviously you will be applying for permission you will be trying to get the access detail organized the red line application site but from that if you're giving permission back from the council you'll be giving strict conditions to adhere to mm-hmm. it basically means you're not putting forward full designs and spending the money knowing that there's a good chance you may not even get permission on it so outline permission is an opportunity for somebody to say look we're not going to concentrate on, on the designs yet we're going yeah. to get the site passed in principle yeah it allows us to have a lesser cost of a planning application but we know we're getting secured. so
1: it would be kind of a case let's say if you want to buy a site yeah. could you you're you you do not own it yet could you try to apply for outline planning so on the site that's
2: the thing we wouldn't recommend doing that especially if it's a site purchase because outline permission you're not ready to build and there's all there's there's all there could be ways where full permission may be more difficult to achieve, whether or not the heights, uh, there could be restrictions on ridge heights, it's only maybe a bungalow dwelling allowed, and say you don't want the bungalow dwelling, but you've spent a lot of money on this site, and it's not suitable for you, then Mm. we would recommend, if you're buying a site, and if you're buying the site at the right money, the, the seller should work with you, the seller should say, look, we're happy for you to apply for permission, you know, we agree the site, maybe give a small deposit subject to full planning, it means then your full designs are approved. Once you can, compl- then you only transfer funds. Once that's complete, it means then you're ready to build, and mm-hmm. you know there's no issues over red head or design, right? Or, or but
1: but if you're site hunting, a lot of times you will see without line planning, meaning the county, the the, the council thinks it's okay to build in principle yes. there, so it's not like a green belt or it's anything. It's not
2: so that should be allowable. But what we would say, yeah if you're going to buy a site, it's a once in a lifetime thing, yeah. especially the self-build. People are going to spend a lot of money on it, mm. and outline permission granted. It is in principle allowable, but there could be strict conditions they yeah. need to adhere to. Yeah. There could be visibility, forward sight distance. There could be issues where landscaping plans, archaeological assessments, that right. all need to be carried out before, and so that you could be into a lot of money before you get your full permission. Mm-hmm. So, especially with the purchase, it's different story. If it's a family, uh, you know, family member, it's it's farmland and you're not buying the site and you're being gifted it, you get outline permission then it's, it's you know, it's fine to, to transfer or whatever or move forward or maybe give a small amount of monies. Yeah. But if it's a site purchase with a big site price, we would always recommend getting the full permission. It means you're ready to go and you're ready to start building. Okay, Should and so
1: then the top tips to secure planning permission, would you always go with a pre-planning meeting? Is that-
2: We would, one? yes and no, it depends on the on the topic. It depends on the, on the proposal. Like for extensions, no. You know, or change of use applications or conversions. We would manipulate them, use the policy in our favor to try and put forward a positive case with the, for the application mm-hmm. pre-application meetings are good for a site that maybe has a few issues that you want to iron out and go through and everybody is within the right to apply to the council for a pre-application meeting to discuss but what we do notice is it can take a bit of time to get that for an application that you maybe are you know what's within the development limits you know you know you're fine if you keep the certain heights It may not be necessary to do that, you know, an application, because again, if you submit the application correctly, along with no not over dramatic plans and it's within reason and you've looked at the amenity space, you've checked the services yourself. That's why as planning consultants, we would exist to check all that for the submission, to Mm -hmm. sort of not do away with the pre application meeting but speed things up. Because a lot of the times we're finding people are under pressure with time they say look we need this pass we're getting married here or we have to get it passed because we're purchasing it Mm -hmm. when you organize a pre-application meeting you could be waiting say eight weeks maybe longer it depends on the council it depends and sometimes the pre-application meeting you will request a meeting but you will get a phone call a verbal phone call so that the verbal doesn't give you anything in writing you know so you're in the same position you were yeah do you know as yeah. before? So,
1: and um, how do you deal with objections once you've uh, submitted your application? Yeah. Is are, is it common just to get objections on it applications? Is,
2: it is very common. Like you know, uh, we say to people, look, your neighbors may object to this, and we always ask, do you get on with your neighbors? Because a lot of people, you know, they may or may not get on with them. What we would advise them to do if they say look, we we get on really well with our neighbors, we would say, well, we're going to give you the plans and some of the imagery. You maybe go into them and say, look, here's what we're proposing. We're proposing to maybe extend our house. We, we need it for our children. They're staying at home. It's very common now. Children are staying much yeah. later, so we need an extra room here or an annex. We need a granny annex for my mom is coming to stay with us or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you if you inform neighbors and they that's the first time they hear about it is through you and not through a council letter, mm-hmm. we find that it's lesser objections because you've you've been transparent with them, but you will get objections again. They have to be in planning, you know, planning reasons for objection. to can't just object over jealousy or, you know. But we <laughs> it has
1: to, oh it people does, do oh some people do,
2: well they don't submit I'm jealous of this but they'll do it in <laughs> good such, good reason yeah they'll do it in such a way well you know we or we tried to extend and we weren't allowed their Um, loss of light they're going to be overlooking our property when they may not be because Mm. if they assess the plans they'll see there's obscure glass Mm -hmm. or the extension doesn't go out far enough to uh, interfere with our property but they will still state that right and it's up to the case officer to take those objections on board and see if it does affect if the objections are you know they're quite strong then the case officer will come back to us the agent to say look there have been objections there you either need to rebut those objections or amend the plans, right? To get over that, so the, the objections will be taken on board.
1: And in terms of um, councils, some are tougher to get planning for than others, isn't it? Oh, well,
2: it depends. You know, obviously, it depends on the site. When you submit an application, you know, you will have looked at the site. You'll have been through everything. You know, the, every council is meant to be sort of, you know, transparent, and they will treat you the same. It's all dependent on the site, so. We, are, we work with a lot of different councils in the north and, and, and south of Ireland and also in England as well. So we have had good experiences and bad experiences. It just depends on the site, mm-hmm. do you know? And obviously we want to try and get planning approvals every time, but permission is never guaranteed. There's some applications that we have looked at going, that's going to be very difficult. And But the the applicant is adamant Look, I need this and need to put this forward. We will fight for the applicant and we will advise them. It will be difficult, but there have been applications that we thought would be very difficult and to come through real quick. Uh, You know, it's great to see, but-
1: It depends on, it really is case by case. But is it like Wicklow, for example, is notorious for being difficult to get planning, but maybe that's just because of the zoning there. It's the
2: zoning and also as well the application you're putting forward. If you put forward an application that doesn't meet the policy and doesn't meet the criteria of the development plan or the local area plan, then you're not going to get the permission. Yeah, that's the thing. And some people, they will see a property getting built maybe down the road and they will say, what's the difference in their site? We Mm -hmm. want to apply, they got permission, but unfortunately using someone else's approval to try and get your site passed, it doesn't work yeah and that's one of the people don't understand that it, it's the precedent doesn't
1: really work yeah no. and um in terms of fees so when you apply for planning uh, the council says you are gonna have to pay contribute towards yes. services the roads the thing and um, so those fees can vary quite a bit yeah, depending on the council and yeah. the site or is it just depending
2: Depending on the on, council. Depending on the council. So obviously, when we assess a site, we will look at that and sort of give somebody a, a bit of a heads up what that potentially could be. It could
1: be a lot of money.
2: Yeah. But then again, if you think about it, if you're going to be getting permission, you maybe haven't had to buy the site, you've got a, you know, family's been given it to you. So it's all relative, really, mm-hmm. if you look at it. And again, it's, it is adding to the infrastructure. It's not just the council just taking money from you. Of course not. You. No, no. People they, may sometimes view it that way, but the way you have to look at it is, look, you're building a site, you're going to be investing a lot of money in it. It's it's small to what you're going to be spending because there's a lot of people there, even at the Bill show, they're looking at uh, windows and doors that are 50,000 euro 50,000 you know but again when they have to pay a few thousand pound of a it's the, more the than pl- a few thousand well, i'm just saying that, you know but the plan, it, 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 <laughs> that would
1: be at the very yeah, low end wouldn't I it i know
2: but again when i say relative to what they're going to spend yes, on the build yeah. it's not and it's major.
1: essential services you need a road in front of your house exactly and, yeah
2: so we would view it in such a way it is it is a necessary but again that's only paid when you're you're approved effectively mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's not as if you're having to pay that before your submission, yeah. You're not out that money and you may not even get permission. So
1: so you'd be able to know in advance kind of how much it's going to be roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah so depending can, on the council, can that ring them. It. it depends, well. and we
2: will always find out that if that is asked, we, we can put that question forward. Mm-hmm. And are
1: there certain kinds of looks or build types that the planners don't like? Yeah. I've heard that log homes aren't very popular <laughs> with the, the planners. Well, we're, we're, they don't fit in.
2: We're getting a lot more inquiries on that and the modular homes. And obviously, as design practices move forward and, and new ways of building, Again, modular homes can be built, but they can be maybe rendered in such a way, you know, with the, you know, they can be, the timber frame homes can be rendered plaster, so it looks like it's a block built dwelling. Yeah. But again, it depends on the council. We have saw examples of maybe shipping container homes being built that it look really modern. And you know, so there's always a way, it depends on the site. It's very, very site specific. It's obviously there's certain things you can put forward, like the eco home, very sustainable, and different techniques. I would say, if you are thinking along that, along those lines, you would definitely need a pre-application meeting to put forward your preliminary designs, just to get feedback. And see how they there's react. No, yeah. yeah, there's no point in putting something forward that definitely won't work. We would advise people as well, but again, we work on behalf of the applicant. If they're adamant they need something, we will advise them. But again, we have to take their lead. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think sometimes the council maybe have to understand that as well, where we will be providing advice that this will work potentially on the site. But if we submit something totally different, it's been because the applicant has wanted that. Yeah. You know, we we provide direction, professional direction, but it's up to them, it's their land. You know? So we would have to apply and then start from maybe where they really want and work back.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded
0: Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
1: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So then the the, the actual process for full planning, it, yeah. it's it, how long does it take and what's the process roughly in terms of submitting plans? Yeah. And-
2: well, in, in, in Northern Ireland, it's anything they will say, anything from maybe six weeks to 16 weeks to 26 weeks. It depends. <laughs> and again, if people object, it depends on the councils. It depends, on what we are finding, say you submit an application and you get a case officer, but that case officer within the council only works part time. Yes. Then, or
1: they go on holidays for a month holiday. and exactly. then that I puts wish it I on hold.
2: I wish I could do that. I wish <laughs> I could say, "Oh, don't contact me for four weeks." Anyway, I, I, that's the thing. That is
1: a, a, a yeah a special feature so uh, That's the, the planning. Thing. System and again, we and... have
2: to. Explain to the applicant that we're doing everything we can, but unfortunately, when we submit the application, it's out of our hands unless there are additional information requests and we have to get that our supporting statements in order to speed things up. Yeah, but, but
1: you're dependent on the case officer really processing yeah. that specific person. Yeah, so really yeah, if anything happens to them or they do something, yeah. yeah but yeah. what we do,
2: we would contact a local councillor. Say if, if, say, if the time has became, it's over eight weeks, sixteen weeks. We would contact the local councillor to request, look can you speak to the, maybe the senior planner or the principal planner to get an update yeah. so we can update the applicant because sometimes yeah. that council level power it can get things moving on mm-hmm. slightly quicker which is positive yeah
1: you know? yeah and in the south then it's less dependent on the case officers i think well again the case there, of... there there are a statutory they have to get back to you within yeah but the, 12 weeks yeah and the
2: republic of ireland that is a lot quicker than, than the north because obviously they will get back to you i, I think whether or not it's it's workload or it's they do get things done a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely. So within if you're say Dublin City Council you're submitting an application, you'd be hope within eight weeks you will you will have your decision. Yeah. And again, you know that that is a big positive with the Republic of Ireland. You know, if you do submit the application you will, you won't be within a year. But in Northern <laughs> Ireland, there's been a year, year and a half. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It can be tough.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, the process with extensions is a bit quicker or not in terms of planning, or it's the same process? Yeah,
2: well, extensions, obviously, the principle of the development is already in place. So there is a house there. So mm-hmm. when you extend your property, a lot of extensions may fall within permitted developments are just over. Yeah. So extension applications are a bit quicker because if you think about it, if a case officer gets that extension application on their desk, they will be less worried about making uh, you know, a decision on it because again it has been the principal development's already there. Mm-hmm. So all they're doing is adding a bit of bit of extension to it. So they're happy yeah. and they're Yeah, not there's worried. not other
1: site issues and yeah, access not, and visibility and all yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. not
2: worried about making the decision. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, And then renewables um, adding renewables to the house. So you have an existing house, you want to put solar panels. Yeah. All of that is exempt, isn't it? Or- well, that,
2: well, again, what we would say is if, an, if a development is exempt, there are examples where people can maybe spend a lot of money putting solar panels or, or sort of wind turbines within their property area or on the roof. When they go to sale, the purchaser solicitor will say, OK, you have solar panels there. Uh, did you seek permission for mm-hmm. that? Can you provide us proof you didn't need permission? Yeah. And the only way w- oh, I phoned the kind and I didn't need it. That's uh. not good enough to allow a seal. So we would always recommend either Section Five or Certificate of Lawful Development. Yeah. And go through that process. It means you are covered. But mm-hmm. again, it depends on the purchaser solicitor as well. Yeah. Some solicitors will allow things to go through and they're not worried. Others will say no. We Every want. Every piece of we paper. Yeah, yeah. So we do see it all, but again, we would recommend people if you are going through the process and you're spending a lot of money on your property. Mm always maybe contact the council and try and get some written confirmation yeah because you you will need you it. will
1: need it when you sell and yeah. it but is it fair to say in broad strokes that anything that's kind of at the front of the house or to the side of the house you yeah. probably need planning even if it's a small change just yeah. because it'll alter the appearance for people driving that's by. exactly yeah. so it's
2: common sense from yeah. a point of view the planning can be viewed that way and the, the way we always advise people to look at it is if You're going to sell your property. What's the purchaser solicitor going to ask for? Mm-hmm. You know, and again, it is common sense. And again, if you were buying a property, would you be happy if it was extended to the side or if there was sort of would you be happy to buy yeah. it without having the appropriate permissions? Yeah, I don't think you would. So, no,
1: probably not. Yeah,
2: you would treat it that way because, again, you will be spending a lot of money on it. Mm. And again, if it is extensions to the rear, you can get away with just moving through building, uh, building control or building regulations, but again. We would recommend getting getting a certificate of lawful development or an exemption the section five application and
1: and porches are exempt though front yep. yeah porches yep. and sheds i think at the back well, depending on the size shed.
2: yeah yeah depending on the size but again there's people that will build a shed oh i'm allowed to build a shed and they build it and then anyone will complain or they will use the shed for a mechanics workshop oh, yeah. and they they think oh but i'm allowed to build this i'm working on co-, and then there's a noise implication and then so it's the, it can be the use, it can be the structure. There's a lot to it. So people can sometimes pretend to play, play ignorant effectively. Mm-hmm. They will build a shed, but use it for a business mm-hmm. and think they're within yeah. because of size yeah. and because of where they are. So yeah. we would always ask people, look, before you do anything, before you spend the money in, in building anything, Always seek seek advice and, and go through it.
1: So then, there's a, an important distinction as well to make people get confused. You mentioned it there with building control. So there are the yep. planning regulations, um, there are the planning regulations, and there are the building control regulations. Yep. So let's say you might not need planning permission, but yep. you always need to go to and follow, obviously, the building regulations. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's so ex- the process? So yeah.
2: if you're extending your property. You may be taking out uh, load-bearing walls within your property, so you may need a structural engineer to show that you're putting in enough steel beams and the structure of the house is safe. Building regulations, they have building control, they will check that the property is going to be well insulated with the extension and That's
1: in the north, they, in, in the you north. have you have building control officers. You that's have it. to apply to building control. To building control.
2: And they would even
1: out. if you don't need planning, you apply to building that's it. control. If you're, even if you're doing come anything. Out, yeah, yeah, anything. It's very, Well, it's for yeah. removing
2: a chimney. Uh, if you're putting in uh, a gas stove, fire, you need to apply for them, because it's all about the carbon monoxide. Yeah, you know, it's all so about safety, yeah. It's all mm-hmm. about safety. So if you go through the process, if you apply for building control it means you either be given a completion certificate or a plan approval certificate it means then that's with the house any alterations of money you've spent you've the appropriate certificates and it means as i said before maybe the the home insurance and things like that or if anything happened you know say if you're a semi-detached property and you take down the chimney but the appropriate steel isn't put in place there could be issues with the next door neighbor Mm -hmm. or safety in the room and things yes, like that so, so, course, so building yeah. control they will make sure that everything is is safe and in making that application as well it keeps an eye on your builder if a builder is saying oh you don't need building control then yeah, it has be happened wary. i would be saying because this yeah
1: and they, they're in yeah anything you do anything, really you need to apply yeah, more or less i mean there are very few exceptions yeah exactly and yeah.
2: They, the, the builder will maybe go in there and they'll get away
1: uh, yeah. yeah, know, yeah. And but that's in the north. So that's yeah. a great system because yes. you have building control yeah, in yeah. the south there is no building control. Well, again, we don't have officers going around but yeah. you do it's up to the the client or the yeah. self-builder that's it. to follow the building regulation exactly. the entire owner through their architect you know, through yeah or engineer and would that would sh- to is meant to check everything. Exactly. Yeah. But But it's all privately done. There's no involvement from the state. You don't apply to building control.
2: But what I would say is when you employ an architect maybe to look over the build and liaise with your contractor, they will be doing that, you know. So again, if you go through that process, you know you're being looked after and you're getting everything signed off and you have that paper format and you have the, the plans that are detailed exactly what is being built. And how it's built and what type of steel is going in and st- it's structurally signed it's signed off by a structural engineer before you build you've got all the, you know, the, the bill of qualities. you've got how much it's going to cost and what materials you've used so everything is recorded rather than someone just going in and building block up and and leaving it at that you yeah, know it yeah, does yeah. happen but we would say to people if you follow especially at the south bill show here people there's so many different areas and different people can learn where they don't know what to do mm-hmm. again if they seek advice it's going to be done through the proper channels everything is recorded the application is made to the council you know so there's always a record there
1: yeah and yeah i
2: think that is very important. so
1: yeah because just to clarify what i was saying before the if you don't ha- don't need planning permission. You don't have to. Up- you don't have to notify building control in the Republic, isn't that right? If you need a planning application, if you got planning permission, you do need to upload all your documents on the building That's control it. website. So, so to get-
2: obviously, me myself, I am a planning consultant, so yeah. I, I would liaise mostly with the planning end. It would we wouldn't overly deal with the building regulation side of things. Mm-hmm. So we would we would advise people look if you're going to be building it out, you would need to liaise with your building contractor. A registered architect to go through that process a registered structural engineer yeah they will advise you exactly what what to do from that end but again if you're seeking the proper advice then you're going You'll to be. Looked follow after. the proper channels yeah. yeah
1: yeah and then just the the bit to touch upon the local zoning rules in the yep. republic that's um, it. is that oh. it, that's preventing people from the local needs yes yeah
2: well obviously every council will be different every council will have certain criteria you have to go through but again if there is an issue with the local needs and you feel you may not meet the pre-application meeting that's very very helpful yeah it means then you can state your your issue and obviously what what the process is they will advise you here's our criteria are you living in the area you work there how close your family home stuff like that so there's every criteria will be looked at, but I would suggest the pre-application meetings with that is mm-hmm. very helpful. So yeah. it may be worthwhile waiting to make sure you're meeting that local because that could shoot you down straight away, regardless if your house design is perfect and if you're getting your access. If you don't meet that, then you will not be getting permission.
1: And then the other one probably is uh, the wastewater, isn't it? That could be yeah. one that will... Well, that's the percolation
2: test. Uh, yeah. No, but so obviously we would advise people, if it's one-off housing, then you will have to do that to make sure that there's enough, you know, your, your site can absorb the dwelling and can cope with that. But that's something, one-off housing, especially with local needs, if there's wastewater issues, those pre-application meetings are we'll flag all of that yeah and they are very very helpful pre-applications meaning as i said before for extensions or housing within the development limits there's not no that will help but whether or not they are needed but for one-off housing especially if there is an issue or you feel you need answers that will well, that will definitely help.
1: But would they put anything in writing at those uh, well, pre-application meetings? They
2: will obviously provide you with the policy, but that's what obviously we would be doing yeah, as well. we would yeah. be assessing the site and we will be providing the policy in relation to that location. They will go through that at like a checklist, effectively, and there yeah. are forms, local okay. needs forms, that you have to fill in questions. Mm. So we would have that and we provide that to the people before the before the meeting. And they will have to answer that. If they can answer every question and they're content, then. The local needs should be met
1: but would would in the pre-planning meeting would they give you a report at the end of well, the meeting you had with them or is it a verbal meeting that's
2: what we said sometimes in order for maybe there's a big backlog of pre-application requests they will just give you a call yeah but if you do get asked for a pre-application meeting and logged logged, there will be a reference number and there'll be a record of that okay and you can put that record on your application that you have had a pre-application meeting okay which should hopefully and boost your case but also speed up your application because more than likely i'm not too sure what way the council will allocate the file but if you've had an officer that has dealt with your pre-application meeting you would like to think that they would be getting your application as the case officer because they have already looked into the case for you yeah do you know so familiar so it's a head start yeah Yeah, yeah. so that's something that would work
1: (laughs) that's great well thanks very much no problems at all thank you cheers that's fine thanks cheers Last but not least, remember that as of the first of this month of November, the building regulations in Ireland have changed. If you've started building or have applied for planning before this date, then you can still use the old set of regulations. Now, we have an article about all of this in the winter 2019 edition of Self-Build Magazine. And there is reference in that article about the ambiguity surrounding the new requirements for homes undergoing a major renovation to upgrade the entire dwelling to an energy rating of a B2. So I asked John Armstrong, who's the senior advisor at the Department of Housing, to shed some light. And then just the 25% renovation requirement, right? There seems to be two loopholes in that, right? There's the one that says where, the first line says where economically and technically feasible you do the 25% renovation. Um, so if someone doesn't have the money, for example, then is that that an excuse for not doing it? So I think it's
0: important not to describe it as a loophole. Um, The major (laughs) renovation is uh, designed to be uh, proportionate to the works that are carried out, so we don't want to prevent uh, more minor works where people didn't uh, decide to spend a large amount of money. We still want those uh, works to go ahead, but when somebody chooses to spend a a lot of money and do extensive works onto their existing dwelling, then the major renovation requirement uh, kicks in, and there's a minimum uh, performance requirement for yeah, the whole okay. the whole dwelling. And the words technically, economically, and functionally feasible, they actually come from the European uh, directive. So we've actually transposed the directive as uh, word for word in right. that regard. Okay. But, but obviously, you know, you have to have, uh, in existing dwellings, You can't just require performance requirements without understanding the existing dwelling. So, for example, if you have small rooms in a dwelling, on a a traditional building or a historic building, Um, You can't do external insulation because Mm -hmm. of the character of the building. And if you want to do internal insulation, the rooms are small. There's only so much internal insulation. So that's what functionally uh, feasible uh, means. And and similarly with with technically feasible, if you're putting on external insulation on a a dwelling, uh, you have overhangs on the roof. Um, and you can't really bring uh, the external w- walls out. Right, okay. So that's technically yeah, yeah. Uh, feasible. And ec- economically? Economically feasible. Um, the interpretation we've taken in is to be in proportionate to your... Uh, well, there's two uh, meanings to it. One is the work should be proportionate to your original spend. So if you're doing cavity-fill insulation for maybe €800, Euro, um, you can't be expected uh, to increase that multiples to maybe 5000 or €6,000. So any additional works needs to be to your...
1: Um, needs to match what you've, your, you've spent? To, you, well, if you, there... if, you, if,
0: you, if you make it too expensive, then it becomes a barrier to uh, yes, renovation works, and the person yeah. will choose not to um, yeah. uh, fill their cavity, yeah. so you don't want to create a barrier. But what you do want is when somebody does major works, that they yes. will achieve the cost-optimal uh, performance. Yes. And then the other interpretation of uh, economically if, uh, feasible is the cost-optimal uh, calculation, which is a life-cycle cost calculation. is the identity to the cost optimal performance to be the B two or 125 kilowatt hours per meter squared, or cost optimal. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. So, but is there a set amount? Let's say you did spend 800 on your cavity wall insulation, you wouldn't expect people to spend. Is there a multiple you have in mind, or like no. is there? There's nothing. Specific. No. No. It's
0: based on the cost optimal level. Um, but that's a second but, aspect but, uh, of the definition. Cavity wall insulation is minor works. Yeah. It's not a major renovation. Yeah. So it's not. Yeah, right. It's not technically, economically, or functionally feasible for right. it to be a trigger.
1: Right, okay. So but then, external
0: wall insulation is major works. That yeah. costs a lot of money, and the homeowners are cho- choosing mm-hmm. to make a big spend, so that does trigger major renovation. And the additional cost of works is proportionate to the original spend, which could be more than 10000 or even up to possibly $15,000 okay. on a larger dwelling for right. external insulation
1: okay it's yeah it's clear and not clear <laughs> for the economic the part where you're saying you don't want to force people to spend more like what's what's that threshold there's no well it's based on
0: the cost optimal life cycle yeah okay yeah.
1: okay so we're back to the b2 then yeah, yeah. okay yeah. okay yeah. now that's
0: fair enough or the cost optimal equivalent which is a, a menu of works yes. uh, which are proportional to your original spend. Okay. The, the idea is not to create an un, an unintended barrier to low-cost works. That's the key message behind
1: it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Um, And then just the other thing that could be considered a loophole is that 25% isn't cumulative. So if someone, say they are doing just their external wall insulation they yeah. do it in one wave and then that's not accumulated yeah. to the yeah. six months
0: so external wall insulation probably you know if you're going to do external wall insulation you're going to do all the external wall insulation yeah. together but the contractors if you're, are going to come back Yeah. but you could do um, maybe windows at one stage and external yeah. but the only thing we would say is when you are deciding um, to spend a large amount of money and do major works to your dwelling it's mm. very hard you know, when you're working on a big project, to separate out, it out, separate it out yeah. into individual, individual yeah. components. Yeah. And it's set out in the regulations. That's where works are done as a single project. Yeah, yeah, and
1: yeah. And the really idea good. is, obviously, to encourage people to live in better homes as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the point. Thanks, yeah. Ron. Yeah. Cheers. As for that update to the locals-only provision, this is what Minister for Housing Owen Murphy had to say. As expected, no change will be made until next year at the earliest. I'm recording you. Well, we're still
2: working to the 2005 guidelines that we have. Yeah. There's still the guidelines that are in place, but they're being reviewed at the moment. Yeah. Uh, we're doing work with the Commission, and when uh, that work is completed, we'll be able to update the guidelines from 2005. The but we're still working to the 2005 is, When's guidelines.
1: the working group going to be finished? Because it was meant to reconvene in September. It never did for some reason. So it's just to see when it's you expect any progress to happen. Yeah, well, we're
2: hoping for progress soon. Um, I don't think we're going to see progress before the end of the the year unfortunately yeah but it is a priority for us when it comes to what we're trying to do around the national planning framework by the end of this year we'll have concluded the regional spatial and economic strategies and then from the beginning of next year every county has to amend their county development plan so
0: that's a key time for us to come with the revised guidelines when we've completed the process with the commission
1: That's it for this Self-Build Plus podcast episode. Tune in next time for more tips and advice from experts and self-builders alike. And make sure to explore everything Self-Build Plus has to offer. The Self-Build Plus journey guides you through the process of building and home improving. The Self-Build Plus forum allows you to share and learn from other self-builders. While the Self-Build Plus videos and our Self-Build Plus virtual events are packed with information and advice.